0: behind the knife the surgery podcast where we take a behind the scenes intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field
1: Welcome back to Behind the Knife. I am Michael Vu, and with me is Kevin Canary. wanted to thank all of our ardent listeners out there for their wonderful applications to Behind the Knife. We asked you guys to assemble three-man teams to compete to become two-year Behind the Knife subspecialty educators, and boy, did we get those applications. We're practically swimming in them. It's gonna be so hard picking our final teams, but I want you all to know genuinely that you did a really, really great job. These applications have awesome sound quality and could not have come from more interesting people that I just didn't wanna stop listening to. And another piece of housekeeping, I am just about to finish building our online merch store. Yes, merch, behind the knife swag. On Thursday morning of this week, I will publish the merch store on a new tab at the top of our website, BehindTheKnife.org, and you can use it to access the merch store. We'll have the usual goodies, t-shirts, mugs, canteens. I think they look really good, and by purchasing them, you help out the podcast tremendously. Proceeds go directly back into the podcast and help pay for our increasing production costs as we continue to grow in scope and audience. So today we've got some really unique guests on our show here to talk about the Surgical Council on Resident Education, probably known better to practically all of our surgeon listeners as SCORE. SCORE is a large component of the education program for most surgical residents out there. So it's really great to have the leadership team here to talk about how they're building their system to support resident education. So we've got Dr. Mary Smith. Hello, Dr. Klingen Smith.
2: hello. Hello.
1: Dr. Smith is the editor-in-chief of SCORE and the chair of its advisory council. She's also the vice president on the executive staff of the American Board of Surgery. And if that wasn't enough, she is also the Mary Culver Distinguished Professor of Surgery at WashU in St. Louis. She did medical school at Duke, and her surgical residency was completed at Brigham and Women's in Boston. She has countless publications in the field of surgical education, and it's really, really good to have such an expert here with us today. Uh, And we have Dr. Ahmet Joshi, vice chair on the SCORE advisory board and an associate editor of that program. He also serves in the board of directors of the American Board of Surgery and the Association of Program Directors in Surgery. He himself is the program director of the surgery program at Einstein Healthcare Network in Philadelphia. He received his MD from Brown, did residency at New York Presbyterian Cornell, and did an MIS fellowship at North Shore Long Island Jewish Hospitals. Welcome, Dr. Joshi.
0: Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been an admirer behind the knife for a long time.
1: Well, thanks. That means a lot coming from you, Dr. Joshi. Okay. uh, I'd like to start us off just by asking, how did you guys find your way onto the SCORE Executive Committee?
2: Uh, I can go first. Uh, I also want to... Uh, Join Dr. Joshi in uh, saying that I've I've been a fan of Behind the Knife uh, for a long time as well. And uh, my dog and I take lots of walks listening to your podcast. So thank you for that. Uh, With regard to me, um, I am uh, vice chair for education at Washington University in St. Louis. Still have that position as well as my position as uh, vice president at the American Board of Surgery. Uh, And uh, I became residency program director here in 2000, which now feels like the dark ages. Um, did the residency program director role for about 12 years, uh, and in that time, started getting more involved nationally in educational endeavors, including what was to become SCORE. Uh, I was very active in the Association of Program Directors at the time, and there were some leaders from the American Board of Surgery who reached out to the program directors and surgery group looking for people who would be interested in contributing uh, content, basically authoring content which could go on SCORE. And I was all about education and was super enthusiastic about that. Uh, One thing led to another. SCORE launched in 2008. And in 2009, when I was still residency program director, I got a phone call from Dr. Frank Lewis, who was at the time the executive director of the American Board of Surgery. And when you get a phone call from Dr. Lewis or when you used to, your heart would stop as a residency program director because you presumed you had done something horribly wrong. In your role as a residency program director and perhaps your program was going to be going down in flames because you had inadvertently ill-prepared some of your trainees for their board exams. But it turned out the call he was making to me was to invite me to join SCORE officially. He needed an active residency program director who was active in the education circles to really help get SCORE uh, disseminated to residency programs and give program directors and programs ideas, concrete ideas about how they could use SCORE uh, as we were having fair success in our own residency program. So I actually joined in December of 2009, which feels impossibly long ago, and I've been with SCORE ever since. And I will let Dr. Joshi describe his involvement.
0: (laughs) Um, I, so I've been program director here, uh, since 2013, I was associate program director before that. Um, and I, I, actually, when I have residency interviews, people always ask me, you know, how'd you end up here? And I usually say, I kind of fell into it. Um, we, we had been in New York, we had two kids and by 2010, and my wife who's a radiologist and I wanted to move, um, somewhere into suburbia. And we ended up of course in her hometown. Uh, so we live about a hundred yards from, from her childhood house, um, And so for me, this was a job to get me basically back to Philadelphia. Um, It happened to come with this title of program director and I've always loved teaching. Um, and so sure, sounded great. Um, and it, it really, it, it was, it, I, it feels like serendipity to me. Um, I have loved this job as program director. It is just so much fun, really mentoring, mentoring residents. That's a lot of fun um, and actually recruiting them and then mentoring through. And then it's like when you're, I have, my kids are still 12 and 11. So I haven't, they have not left the house yet, but one day I think that's what it's going to feel like um, when you're, when your kids go out and, and do great things. And that's how I feel about my residents. Um, and sort of in the continuing the theme of serendipity um, there was a call for contributions from SCORE and uh, I started contributing twist items uh, the the self-assessment items for SCORE I think I did a couple of module revisions um, and I really enjoyed it and I guess I was thinking about this interview earlier today on a a cold run outside and I thought if if there's one thing I could say it's um, you know doors will open for you in life I think your job is to walk through them and what I always tell my residents is under promise and over deliver. And I think and, and be on time. That's really important also. Um, and I think that's actually all I did. I think I just I, I was on time and I would get my items in. Um, and slowly but surely, I was asked to do more and more until uh, like Dr. Klingensmith, I was asked to, to join um, as a uh, uh, join the leadership team. And that's been incredible. Um, I'll put a plug in here, Dr. Dr. Smith is an amazing leader. Um, and so, um, anytime anyone, anytime anyone asks me about her, I start waxing eloquent. Um, and she, she's just a terrific person to work with and work for. Um, she's always prepared. Um, she has a vision uh, for every meeting. I mean, she comes in and she runs it just a beautifully efficient meeting. Um, and there, and, and take, um, I would say that that when you have the opportunity to work with people like that, just just revel in it. It's amazing, and it's it's actually not that common that you have terrific leaders to work for. So thank you, Mary.
2: Uh, well, uh, uh, we'll just do the little mutual fan club here for a second. And he's underselling himself with regard to why he was asked to join the Score Leadership. Uh, I suppose he did probably uh, uh, underpromise and overdeliver, but the quality of the things he was submitting. Uh, And he also was starting to feed us some really good ideas. And we realized quickly, this was someone that we needed uh, to join the team. Um, As a very active residency program director in a community program, we needed the voice of community residency programs represented at SCORE, and um, Amit was perfect for that role. And in so many ways, uh, I think we've made a great team, he and I and, and the rest of the team together.
3: That is fantastic. Uh, doctor Clean Kling-Smith, can you tell us the one-liner mission of SCORE?
2: Uh, SCORE is meant to unify the curriculum for training in surgery and to deliver that curriculum in a cost-efficient and accessible way to all residency programs throughout the United States. That's the one-liner mission, and I think we've actually uh, lived up to that. That was from the foundation of SCORE, and we continue to do that. To this day,
1: Dr. Klingensmith, Smith, can you take us back to the early days of SCORE before its inception? What led to its creation, and how has it evolved over time?
2: Sure. Um, so, SCORE actually formed out of uh, a concern that existed in American surgery in the sort of early mid two thousands. In two thousand four, there was what's now a somewhat famous uh, presidential address at the American Surgical Association by Hailey DeBoss, who was at that time chair of surgery at uh, University of California, San Francisco. And he chose to focus on the fact that he felt residency training in the US was broken, that we were turning out uh, graduates from programs who had trouble passing their board exams, that we had a big mismatch in the um, workforce, that was being turned out, meaning that we weren't really meeting all the demands of our societal needs for surgeons and various specialties. And if you want to consider general surgery a specialty as well, that that too uh, was lacking and that there was a big opportunity with duty hour changes being relatively new at that time to really re-examine surgical training. So the American Surgical Association put together what they termed a blue ribbon panel which was basically the leaders in American Surgical from all of the surgical sort of societies, boards, came together and sort of through a year long effort made what became some recommendations for retooling training and surgery and refocusing it. Uh, one of the recommendations was that there needed to be a unified curriculum for training and surgery. And when I tell my residents the story of scores history, they're always amazed that prior to that time, there really was no curriculum for training in surgery. You knew that you had to meet certain case requirements, but those were pretty broad. There was no one telling you what you needed to learn specifically about diseases or even about uh, the steps of procedures. It was just sort of do this sort of breadth of surgical stuff, um, learn some of these things which were loosely defined, like learn about the GI tract, and you'll sit for your boards and hopefully you'll pass them. So it was somewhat novel to think that we would take all of that sort of loosey-goosey information and distill it down into an actual curriculum. So that's what SCORE did. Uh, SCORE came together as the uh, essentially unifying body for, again, all of these major surgical societies that had been part of this blue ribbon panel. They came together as the surgical council on resident education, a whole council of different representative bodies came together. That uh, work happened essentially from about 2005 until 2007, the work of that group was done and the curriculum was sort of written as in we knew the topics and we knew what needed to be covered. And then from 2007 to 2008, the content itself was delivered, a web portal was built and SCORE as we know it, the content and the web platform went into beta phase late in 2008. So um, in that first year, it was made free to all residency programs in the United States. Uh, The second year, it was also free. And by 2010, we started charging a modest amount for uh, subscribers. The funding for SCORE initially was mostly by the American Board of Surgery, but a number of other uh, organizations contributed money. The Association of Program Directors in Surgery, the American College of Surgeons, the American Surgical Association, uh, to name a few. Uh, can put in some money in the early days. Um, We continue to have a surgical council advisory committee that meets on an annual basis, and they are in an advisory role for us. Uh, SCORE was essentially in the red for many of its early years, and it was supported in those years by the American Board of Surgery, which sort of had it nested within its structure. But in um, uh, 2011, we became um, incorporated and then, as an educational nonprofit, and then in 2014, separately split off from the American Board of Surgery uh, as a separate legal entity and essentially had to sort of sink or swim. Uh, we've had again from our foundation that we make this an accessible curriculum, which means we cannot charge a lot of money for it. We are an educational nonprofit, which means any money we bring in from subscriptions basically goes into the web portal and goes into everything that we need to sort of make our operations work. But luckily we also um, have been successful. We've been able to um, stay in the black and uh, continue to expand. We can talk about that in a few moments if you like. Um, And um, it's been a remarkable uh, ride Uh, For me personally, uh, because I've been with SCORE for so long, but even to see the improvements we've made uh, since Dr. Joshi joined us, we've launched a new feature called This Week in SCORE, which is intended to help organize and deliver all of the content over a two-year curriculum cycle. Uh, It helps residency programs know how to sort of sequence through all of the material on SCORE. To the benefit of the learning for their residents and provides a high quality 10 item multiple choice quiz each week we know that residents really enjoy learning by taking multiple choice questions and so we sort of capitalized on that and there's a number of other features that we've uh, developed over the years an ab site remediation feature um, some reports that are helpful to residency programs when they're completing their milestones which are required by the acgme we've We've done a bunch of different things to try to make SCORE um, more meaningful for all of its users. And we're currently in use by a little over 96% of all residency programs in the U.S. We've had that degree of um, penetration, if you will, of the subscriber market um, for more than five years. And we continue to have a robust user base for which we're quite grateful. We certainly don't take them for granted. We're constantly trying to figure out New ways to support them and support the learning of all of our residents,
1: Dr. Joshi. So um, you know, I think that a lot of residents are big fans or principally use Score for the twist functionality now this weekend. Score, um, and as Dr. Klingensmith was just discussing, you're kind of uh, you're kind of in charge of that right now. Can you tell us about um, what exactly this weekend Score is and how you've developed that curriculum? What what um, what guides and metrics were you using to to structure a two-year cycling curriculum to, uh, to guide different surgery programs. Sure. Um,
0: it's probably worth quickly just talking about what was before twists. Yeah. Um, so there were over 700 modules, uh, in score eventually, you know, uh, delineated. Um, and that's not just clinical knowledge, that's things like ethics and professionalism and, and, you know, all the other competencies that, that are required in training. Um, And so one of the early uh, barriers or or obstacles that that the program directors would, would, I think, note about that was that there was just too much. It was like going to the cereal aisle at this grocery store. There's just too many choices, um, and it's a little hard to kind of, where do I start? And so um, that kind of initial barrier to, uh, you know, a a guide path through all of those modules was, I think, an initial barrier. So even before I I got to SCORE, um, uh, they came up with this idea of, kind of mincing it and organizing it into this two-year curriculum, the idea being that in a five-year residency, you'd get through the entire curriculum at least two times, two and a half times. And so that made it much more orderly so that you knew um, that, you know, in July, you're doing this, the next second week of July, you're doing that. And it was all nicely organized. And so one of the things we do every year is we rebalance, we kind of reshuffle which modules go into which week and how they get organized. So Today, for example, we recorded score school for vascular arterial two. So there happened to be two vascular arterial weeks um, in this score cycle, in this twist cycle. Um, and then next year we may make a decision that we need a little bit more, we need a little less. Um, the the beauty of the online platform is that, first of all, we can edit really frequently. And so you know we'll, we'll catch an error or we'll, we'll update something and it can post to the portal overnight. And so that ability to be nimble, to to recalibrate what our kind of chapters of the textbook look like is really a nice feature of SCORE. And so every year we rebalance that uh, to make sure we're keeping current with what's important and, and what needs to be balanced in which way. Um, the other thing that, then, uh, that, that took place after that uh, cohesive cycle uh, was then actually kind of putting meat on the skeleton uh, of that curriculum. And so... Um, for those of you, uh, Kevin, you probably remember when, when you were an intern, if you were using SCORE, that it used to be a, a sort of um, kind of instructions, The resident will understand how to manage a graft infection. And that was kind of it. Um, and so remember that, the, as we say in surgery, the, you know, the enemy of, the enemy is of perfect is good, other way around. The end, as we say in surgery, the enemy of good is perfect. Um, and so, you know, that's a good lesson that, just because we don't necessarily get it right in the first time doesn't mean you can't deploy it and continue to improve it. Um, and so uh, any of you who have, who have been uh, uh, engaging with SCORE even in the, in the last two to three years will, will note that difference that every module and score now um, is really beautifully fleshed out with bulleted content. Um, so it's not just the resident will understand how to evaluate a graft infection. It is here are all the ways that that should happen. Uh, and it's nicely organized it into a templated form. Um, and so that, that's really the beauty of TWIST in my opinion, is that not only is it sequenced out in a, in a two-year kind of approachable, digestible cycle, but if you go into that cycle and you use it regularly, all the content you need is right there, um, and so that I think is the true innovation with Twists.
3: Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I, I noticed score improving drastically just throughout my residency, actually, and um, I, I think I might have just missed out on the twist. Um, but one question I have is: uh, this must be quite an undertaking. I know with Behind the Knife, we're always trying to update our website and, and keep current and, and do different things, and it it takes a lot to do just a, a podcast. So. Do you guys have a full team that supports this, like an IT team and, and things like that that help keep this afloat?
2: Uh, Well, you're looking at a good uh, third of the team right now. Uh, We're recording this on Zoom, so you can see that Dr. Joshi and I are two. Uh, We do have uh, uh, four other people that work with us. We have a a chief operating officer in IT, as he calls himself, a ones and zeros guy. Uh, We have a content management uh, person uh, who is in charge of just sort of keeping things organized on the website. Uh, She has an assistant content uh, manager uh, person. And then we have a third surgeon, um, uh, Alfred Chahin, who's a pediatric surgeon at Emory Healthcare in Atlanta. Uh, so that's the entire team. The six of us uh, do all of the work. We do um, outsource the platform itself is uh, hosted by Silverchair Systems based in Charlottesville, Virginia. They have a background in medical publishing, and obviously they do a huge amount of the true ones and zeros support in the, in the background, but, uh, but we are pretty, uh, small and lean and, um, you know, Ahmed and I all, and Dr. Chaheen all have other jobs. I mean, we are practicing surgeons, uh, busy with uh, other things and, uh, really just have three full-time employees. So, um, it is a lot wow. of work. You're right.
3: Yeah, that's, that's extremely impressive. Uh, I would expect, I was expecting a whole, uh, IT team behind the scenes, but just just a few of you guys. Well, one question we were wondering is, has, has SCORE been around long enough to show um, in with data that there's improvements in resident outcomes with boards uh, over uh, if they use it consistently?
2: Yeah, wonderful question. Uh, One of the challenges in answering that question is that we've wanted to really make sure that SCORE is being used uh, to the best Uh, Attribute, I guess I would say um, of the trainees themselves. We don't want them to feel like we're studying them. And so that has uh, meant that we haven't wanted to match data we have from SCORE to ABS passage data. So a lot of the work that's been done actually um, is one-off individual so-called single institution studies. And I'm aware of at least three residency programs that have published on their own successes in using SCORE with improvements in site, but some have even um, looked at SCORE as a remediation tool and how it has improved their performance on ABS first time pass rates. Uh, there is a paper coming out in the Journal of the American College of Surgeons, or at least under review with American College of Surgeons. It's a, a prospective 8 institution study that looked at score usage and ab site performance. And indeed there's a very strong correlation between the two of those. Strongest in the junior residency years, uh, but still pretty impressive. And the very first study that we did that looked at or tried to look at um, impact of score on board passage rates was um, made from accessible data back in 2013, so a long time ago actually, uh, when we had enough non-subscribing score programs, we looked at program level performance on the um, written exam or the so-called qualifying exam of the board. And there was a difference in between subscribing programs to score and non-subscribing programs in that those that subscribed had much higher QE pass rates. So there is some data out there. Um, We are um, the first to admit that residency programs have lots of resources to use, SCORE being one of them. Um, But more and more, we're hearing that SCORE is the principal item that residency programs are using for their curriculum and in support of uh, preparation for board exams.
0: I will just jump in there and say um, that uh, one of the other demonstrated benefits of SCORE has been to what we'll say is leveling the playing field. Um, so going back to, uh going back to that ASA address that Dr. Klingensmith talked about now over a decade ago, there was what was perceived to be unacceptable heterogeneity of the training product. Um, so that one program, I um, will use some you know, examples, a big university program that's well-resourced was creating, was was putting out a great product, but an under-resourced rural small program uh, with limited faculty was having trouble um, doing the same thing. And so one of the Uh, Certainly one of the uh, founding missions of SCORE was to kind of provide uniform access or at least equal access to resources across programs and um, a a study that uh, came out about two to three years ago um, showed just that that when you look at usage. Um, usage is uh, equal, whether it's geography, whether it's size of training program, whether it's independent versus university versus military. Um, And so that was a real proof of concept that SCORE indeed um, does have that, not just penetrance widely, but usage uh, uniformly across the different kinds of training programs. And so as an independent training program director, you know, I can anecdotally say that when I took over um, as program director in 2013, we just started to implement SCORE and it has made a huge difference. I don't have, you know, a sarcoma surgeon. I don't have an esophageal pediatric surgeon. Um, we have a whole lot of general surgeons and a couple of vascular surgeons. Um, and so in order to be able to deliver all that content, um, and even, even in the absence of necessarily a, uh, a subject expert in any particular module, um, general surgeons or, uh, broadly trained surgeons can really substitute for that because we, we can fall back on score to provide that, that didactic information.
1: In providing such, you know, broad, um, homogenous access to programs across the country, uh, I imagine that, you know, you end up having a lot of competing needs and interests. Has that been a challenge for you guys to try to, try to, um, you know, meet the requests of different kinds of stakeholders in, in the process between program directors, your resident users themselves, and and accreditation bodies like the American Board of Surgery? Has that been a challenge, and how have you guys uh, kind of balanced that?
2: Uh, You know, Michael, that's a wonderful question. Uh, We're fortunate that a lot of people are frequently sharing good ideas with us, or we are ourselves coming up with good ideas. We mentioned a few moments ago that we're a relatively small team. We have limited financial resources, too. We're completely relying on subscriptions. So we have to be very careful about what projects we take on, what improvements we try to make. Um, So we do have a, a small executive committee team. Uh, It's the individuals that I mentioned a few moments ago. Uh, We have an advisory council, which again is members of those uh, founding organizations of SCORE that meet with us on an annual basis, mostly to talk about strategy. Um, But we also have an editorial board. Uh, That group has been incredibly helpful to us in terms of thinking more specifically about uh, what features we should think about developing uh, even things as granular as should the twist sequence be a one-year sequence, a two-year sequence that repeats, a five-year sequence. Uh, We get a lot of very valuable input from those folks and they are both content experts, but also all residency program directors. So they are uh, users who have uh, some of the deep knowledge that we need. They also help us with um, review and update of content. Uh, We also have a resident advisory group. That's something that when I came on to SCORE, I was pretty adamant that we needed to hear the voice of residents. If we were trying to figure out how to best get SCORE in use in residency programs, we should talk to the end users. And so we have an eight-member resident advisory group that's been incredibly uh, productive for us over the years. Dr. Joshi currently leads that group. Um, it's really fun getting the voice of uh, residents involved and to the table it's fun to see them uh, really blossom under this sort of national leadership opportunity that group has come up with some brilliant ideas for us that we have uh, integrated into score but they've also, um, frankly, um, developed some of those uh, studies that we uh, cited a few moments ago that have shown some of the, the value of score so we're sort of. Uh, Decisions on multiple levels and with as much input as as we can uh, possibly get.
0: One of the, one of the challenges is um, staying current. Um, and staying trendy, but not too trendy. Um, and so, in fact, if you'd asked us two years ago, the big thing on our on, on the tip of our brains was actually doing podcasts. And, and we had admired so much what Behind the Knife was able to do. Um, and we quickly realized how much effort it takes. And um, and and we actually we ended up deciding not to do it because there were so many other good products in the landscape. And so. That is tricky, particularly with a small group and, and and forecasting six to nine months down the line of, of long-term strategy. It, and it's it's something I've learned um, over the last couple of years is you can't just react to everything. It has to be methodical and you really have to think out the end game. Um, so it's been a good leadership opportunity for, for learning leadership opportunity for me.
3: Yeah. One question I had is, um, as a former user of SCORE, one thing I found sort of difficult at times was the variation in textbooks and how every kind of module is a different textbook. And sometimes I'd be kind of on a good thread with one module and I'd want to find the, the same text for the next module and it's a different textbook. Could you guys talk to us a little bit about that, why that is, and uh, you know, help us understand that?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, as it turns out, uh, other than our web hosting fees, our licensing fees to uh, book publishers is our greatest expense on an annual basis. We pay a lot of money to get access to those book chapters. Uh, publishers, um, I think, maybe feel a little threatened by us and have been incredibly reluctant to allow us to publish entire books. So they will set a limit as to how many chapters we can license from, say, Savistin. Uh So we have to pick and choose. Um, we leave it up to the module author as to what resource they want to support their module. So you do see some inconsistency that some might, port, re, might point to a Sabiston chapter. Uh, some might point to a chapter in the um, uh, colorectal surgery textbook, for instance, or to the SAGE's manual, depending on what you know, content they're following. We have gotten that feedback, Kevin, that it's a little frustrating as a user to uh, be toggling between them, but we're, we're trying to use what at least the content expert, the author of that module has felt was the definitive reference for that content. Um, we would like nothing more than to not be dependent on all of those licensing fees, but we also know that um, from our resident advisory group, residents really like having access to those book chapters. So uh, we continue to provide those and uh, we're continuing to look for ways to make it a little more seamless to access that content.
3: Yeah, uh, I know in the ER community, uh, textbooks have really um, become all digital um, and the ER community is really forward as far as their medical education goes. And uh, I think some of these textbook companies are going to, they should be nervous um, because the way things are going, uh, it's going to, the landscape's going to change. One question I had for you guys, kind of more in a philosophical, uh, standpoint i'm someone who's passionate about surgical education um i you know i want to make my career on that um do you feel that surgical education gets adequate academic credit you guys put all this work into score and, and surgical education and, and program directors and things like that compared to you know say someone that uh does a lot of database uh, research and, and how do you um if some as someone that wants to base their career on surgical education how do you uh recommend uh, they do that
0: um i'll take a stab at that I think the, the resounding answer is yes. Um, I'll also though give the qualifier that I'm not sure it was always that way. Um, I think surgical education has really been recognized now as a central pillar of, of surgery. Um, I'll also say, so first of all, I'll say a couple things. One is it is so unbelievably fulfilling. If you, if you like to do it, if you don't like to do it, I, I can imagine it being extremely frustrating. Um, but if it's your thing, it's extremely fulfilling. Um, it's also essential and it's been recognized that way so um, whether it's by the ACGME that has, um, you know, pro, uh, clearly uh, regulated um, percent effort time that needs to be given to a program director, whether it's the heft now of the uh, APDS, the Association of Program Directors in Surgery, which is a really vibrant, forward-thinking, um, charismatic group that's really lobbying on behalf of surgical education. Um, you know, it, we're really now at the center of of surgery writ large. I'll also say that um, the skills one learns as being a surgical educator, whether it's being a clerkship director, a simulation director, a program director will serve you well in no matter what leadership role you take. And so at the end of the day, whether you're managing residents, whether you're managing faculty, it's really managing people or, and that's the wrong word, interacting with people and and building good things together with other people that, that I think is the number one skill that I've learned from being um, in surgical education. Um, So you know, yeah, I can I can see why uh, one may think it might be undervalued, but I, I've seen so many successful people now, and really leaders and uh, leaders in our field come up uh, through surgical education. So I'm hopeful that I think it, it's it's really a recognized pathway forward now.
1: Well, I'd like to turn perhaps the last part of this uh, podcast episode forward-looking. So you know, we've been talking a lot about how the landscape of surgical education is changing, and, and surely the score council is part of that spearhead a big part of it. How do you think that um, education is proceeding into the future? How are residents going to learn best um, in year 2020 and beyond, 2021 now? Uh, and what's on the horizon for improvements and changes to the SCORE platform to accommodate that, that future that you guys see?
2: Well, I'll, uh, I'll start. Uh, I'm going to take on your question about how might education uh, itself change and how might training change. And maybe Amit can address some of the plans we have for SCORE. You know, one of the things that I'm really excited about in my role as a Vice President for the American Board of Surgery is a move to competency-based education for surgical training. What this basically means is that as a trainee, you will have explicit information about what you need to be able to do to have progressive stepwise autonomy to do that procedure to see that consult independently to run that trauma independently, whatever it may be, Uh, there will be frequent assessments of your performance in these various workplace duties, such as seeing a consult or Uh, performing a laparoscopic cholecystectomy or whatever that might be. Uh, And with your attending's feedback, you will slowly or perhaps quickly uh, move to that level where you have full autonomy with procedures and various things that you do as a resident, everything from seeing a consult to doing a procedure. Um, And the hope is that we would even have people who would no longer have time-based training would have competency-based training, so no longer would it be that everybody takes five years. You come in, and you know, sixty months later, you're done. Could be that some people will be done in forty-eight months, maybe even sooner. Uh, and what what might that look like? Uh, and the exciting thing for me about that is that the trainees themselves will be given much more explicit information about what they need to do, specific feedback about what needs to be improved, so that they can more quickly meet that competency level some of your listeners may be aware that this is already in place in Canada they have a program called competency by design it's rolled out now or is rolling out to all specialties uh, for residency training in the whole country Uh, surgery just started this past July I'm not sure if the pandemic has affected a lot of what they're able to do with it but but the hope is that it will be modeled on what happened with orthopedic surgery at the University of Toronto now at least five years ago, maybe longer, and they basically showed that they could have trainees go through this uh, competency-based rather than time-based training program and turn out very solidly well-trained individuals in what turned out to be less time for many of those individuals. So. That to me is the future of surgical training. Uh, And so much so is it the future that the American Board of Surgery has declared that for interns who will be starting in 2023, their training all must be competency-based training. So we're working super hard on that to roll it out by 2023. Um, More to come on that for sure. And uh, um, SCORE is looking forward to being in support of that initiative and uh, perhaps Amit can, Describe a little bit of that as well as what else we've been doing uh, to expand scores reach.
0: So probably the thing that Comes to top of mind is our expansion into other specialties. So, um, general surgery is, we continue to implement uh, uh, new innovations in general surgery, but then they quickly migrate over or are used in other specialties. So, you know, vascular surgery, uh, complex surgical oncology, um, surgical critical care, pediatric surgery are all kind of within the house of surgery. And they're all in various stages of kind of implementing some of those uh, modifications that we've made for general surgery twists, possibly a self-assessment quiz, um, you know, all the other things that that have been um, rolled out with uh, general surgery score. And then even uh, oral maxillofacial surgery, not Traditionally considered part of sort of core general surgery, um, they have they have been uh, happy with our platform, and so they, are, they we are now hosting their content um, on on Score. And so a totally different group. I mean, obviously we have them in the hospital, but we we rarely interact with them academically. Um, and they've seen they've seen some utility in, in having their content on Score. Um, also I'll take the second part of your question um, what do I see as the future I think it's it we're going to start to move away uh, from process to outcome just like we've done in when you look at quality metrics in clinical care um, it used to be did the patient get the antibiotic you know were the were the SCDs put on now we what we really want to know is did the patient get a wound infection did the patient get a DVT um, and it, it sort of takes that it's not just the derivative it's actually it's the actual metric that we're trying to met to measure Um, And so I'll put a shout out uh, to EQIP here, the Educational Quality Improvement Project Um, that's led by the APDS, but SCORE has been fortunate to be very heavily involved in the first six months of strategizing um, and, and putting our best thoughts forward to make EQIP really powerful. It's modeled after NISQIP, and the idea is that you can measure individual trainees and you can measure their training programs to, to see what works and what doesn't work, um, to give you a realistic, clear-eyed view of where you stand and all the different metrics that go into residency education, and then eventually, hopefully, to actually marshal resources to, again, standardize that uh, that training product. And so. If you think of SCORE uh, as leveling the playing field in terms of access to, edu- access to educational resources, hopefully EQIP will one day actually level the training, uh, l- level the, make uniform uh, the training product. And so there's lots of exciting stuff in search of education. And for anyone who's listening, um, it's, a, it's a great gig. Um, and and I, tell all my, uh, I tell all my residents here sitting in my office, you know, you should be a program director. It's, it's a great gig.
3: Um, Well, thank you guys for the vascular side of it. It's funny to think that just like you're describing general surgery back in 2002 had no basis for their training and no curriculum. Vascular surgery is that just while I was going through it. Uh, the past two years where we really had no curriculum and the v-score i know is coming out as we speak probably i know there's some trial programs so it's funny to think that there's all these other specialties that still really have no curriculum for their educational basis and it's uh, so uh, badly needed so thank you guys for uh, expanding into that and dr clingsmith i i uh, I know we're running out of time here but i know you're probably one of the most powerful people that may have a uh, an answer to this and do you think general surgery Training, say, in 2030, on average, will be shorter, um, whether that is with these um, competency bases or these three and three programs or, you know, four and two, whatever it may be. Um, Do you think the path to becoming a specialist in a a general surgery uh, field will be shorter in 2030 if you had a crystal ball right now? Um,
2: uh, The pathway to becoming a specialist? Yes, probably so. I do think um, through the flexibility and surgical training option that exists right now for pathways to the American Board of Surgery certification pathways. Right now, you can shave off some time if the fellowship that you're matching into will allow you to count some of your months in general surgery training towards your fellowship requirements. Uh, I do think that this competency-based training experience that we're about to embark on will be incredibly informative uh, about what our future time-based structure will look like. So if it turns out that people can meet all of their competency uh, milestones, Why would we sign a contract for five years with the resident? It may be that the new normal will be, say, four years to be certified in in general surgery. That's my hunch. Uh, We'll see for right. Maybe we'll do another (laughs) podcast in 10 years and have an interview about that.
3: Absolutely. And we should definitely, uh, as you guys get moving towards launching the, um, competency-based curriculum, uh, come back on Behind the Knife and uh, have a full full conversation about that um, because that's very fascinating. I love that.
1: Well, Dr. Joshi and Dr. Smith, thank you again for uh, joining us on Behind the Knife today. Any uh, final comments before we let you go and enjoy your weekend?
2: Uh, I just wanted to thank you all for featuring SCORE. Um, We have been big admirers of yours for a long time. I'm I'm, uh, pleased that we... uh, are here and i can't wait to listen to myself while i'm walking the dog sometime soon thanks
0: until next time dominate the day